welcome to the It's a Movement podcast. I'm Paula, aka Queen P. I'm Jane, but this Jane ain't plain. And I'm the Sissieko Lola. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back to the It's a Movement podcast. This week we'll be talking about reparations. What are they? Do we deserve them? How do we think they would help us as a community? And we've also got a special guest with us. We've got my sister. Do you want to give a Hi. Group intro? Hi everyone. Um, so I'm Wara, but everyone calls me Rola. Sure. Um, I'm just today because my sister has sort of said to me, I've got a good charisma and all that so I will try and contribute um I've listened to a few of your podcasts before and find them quite informing so yeah I'm excited to be present today should I listen to all of them oh <laughs> <good>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> right okay so Yeah, I think for me, I definitely think of repayment. And I don't know, when I think of the word reparations, I, it just kind of, it reminds me of slavery. I think because obviously recently there's been a lot of talk of how um, the reparations that were given to the slave owners in the UK um, just finished in 2015. So that's my thinking when I think of reparations now. It it kind of like reminds me of slavery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think same both I think reparations and I think just money back um that's really it and who's gonna pay that money um so yeah that's it yeah just to sum up that's exactly my um understanding of it too um repayment or a wrongdoing I know that for a lot of people when they do hear the term there's conflicting opinions on it um so just want to see in our personal opinion because I think it's just good to start off with that do we deserve reparations? Ooh. I think saying deserve changes the question. Uh, uh, it's so hard because I think the fact that slave owners got reparations, then I do think um, slave descendants deserve reparations because why should the slave owners get it? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. The slave owners were like, however that sort of scheme was set up, um, you know, figured out like, they need to do something similar um i agree with you guys i think theologically is yes is great but in practice it's just not feasible Mm -hmm. as as we stand especially in the middle of a recession like in practice it's just not feasible but if we're just to think of it theologically if we're in an economic standing where this was feasible then yes you know there's always the oh but this but that so now the recession is the reason that we can't get reparations. Like, I just don't believe in that. No, anything no, anything that's economically feasible, if you want it to be. When- yeah, I think for me, I definitely think of repayment. And I don't know, when I think of the word reparations, I, it just kind of, it reminds me of slavery. I think because obviously recently there's been a lot of talk of how um, the reparations that were given to the slave owners in the UK um just finished in 2015 so that's my thinking when I think of reparations now it it kind of like reminds me of slavery yeah Mm -hmm. 
Mm, I think same. Both yeah, I get where you were coming from, but I also agree with Lola. And the reason I say that is just because the fact that slave owners were able to be paid. I know maybe they started doing it like soon after um the slave trade was abolished, but I feel like the fact that it was possible in that sense means that if they truly, truly wanted to, they could pay back the descendants of slaves. Obviously, it would be like time-consuming figuring out like how to make these payments and who um deserves it and stuff but yeah in terms of the slave owners um being paid until the end of 2015 i think that sort of shows that 50 percent of the work is already done and 50 percent of the information is already out there um and obviously jane was saying about how people will sort of some people will be complaining about the reparations and about it coming from taxpayers money but i sort of don't see that as anything to stop the situation because i mean mm. Complaining about the slave owners being paid reparations up until 2015, and you know, it still went down. So there's always going to be someone complaining. Um, mm-hmm. I never find a situation that's going to have like sort of get a hundred percent satisfied outcome. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's whether or not the government and the people in charge want to. I don't think they actually have a want to. It- um, people like you said we'll always complain about something and even with aside from reparations people still complain about where our tax money goes so whether it's going to the nhs someone is going to complain about that um so i think also what i was actually going to say with the um slave owners surely it would have worked in the same way because were they not getting taxed as well and then that yeah. tax would have been going back to that so it will still be kind of like a similar system yeah and there's no full way of doing this it's not going to be something that it's going to be able to satisfy everybody and mm. i think you've got a system where we're paying our taxes are going towards reparations i'm actually for that because i mean what what are my taxes going towards at the moment mm-hmm. oh so, yeah it's true it's true i know it's going towards that i actually feel better knowing that that's what my tax is going towards mm-hmm. i have a question so when we talk about reparations is it just black people in Africa, in across the world, or is it just black people? Say if it was Britain paying reparations, would they be paying it to the descendants living in the country and Western African mm-hmm. African countries that they um, colonized? Like, how is this? Like, there is practically like it's actually going to cause it might cause more issues. And let's say let's take to West Africa. Let's say Britain was to now pay Ghana or Nigeria, for example, which never existed around that time. And they say, okay, we're going to give it to this same countries. Are they giving it to the people or are they giving it to the government to redistribute? Um, like how, I... how do we intend for, if we say we are for, if you are for it, I'm actually just asking questions here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't like the word devil's advocate, but <laughs> literally that's like, if we were supposed to go for this, who's getting it? How is this, how is it being distributed? Like, what are the practical steps in order for this to be as, there's nothing such as fair, but in a way that is as fair as possible. Mm. I personally think that um, when it comes to like paying reparations to people who were slaves, descendants, that they should, the money should go to the people in the same way it went to the slave owners. And then if it is going to go to the extent where they're paying back the countries that they colonised, then I think it should go to the government. And I know, like, you know, there's not a lot of faith in certain governments, yeah, but I, I think that's, the most feasible way for it to work 
But that being said, I also think maybe reparations to these countries that you've colonized actually starts from basically not ripping them off. Do you know what I mean? Like, because Africa has a lot of wealth in that country, but it's a lot of it is just being taken by the Western world. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like maybe reparation could simply start by paying these countries what they're owed when it comes to exporting their goods. Yeah, and for me, um, my answer to that question, Jane, is I think they're two separate issues. So when I'm discussing reparations, I'm talking about people that are living in the UK, descendants of slave um, people that were here. In that case, I and, think it might, like, a good place to start could be to start with the people who can prove that they were sort of brought here through the Windrush generation or whatever. Like, that could be a good starting point, like, who to pay, because isn't that... Like, I think in terms of who to pay, that's not even an issue because they've got the documentation that allows them to know who to pay to give money towards slave owners up until 2015. But in terms of paying who these reparations are going to practically, as a starting point, number one is reparations for the descendants of slaves that served in this country, so the, just the UK. In terms of in our continent of Africa, that's a separate issue and reparations are definitely owed there. However, I think the way that needs to work is First of all, all these debts that we supposedly owe these countries. So France, um, um, what's that guy's name? Macron, the president. Um, he had some statement last year about how um, multiple African countries owe them um, debts and they need to clear them, da 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 So for me, the reparation in terms of that situation is the debts, inverted commas, that these countries owe France, the US, the UK, those debts need to be cleared because the reason that these is I know that there's corruption, I know that there's greedy and people in government, but we started off on a back foot, which we wouldn't have been on if it wasn't for the fact that it also leads into that whole foreign aid discussion, which I think is very dangerous. The amount of foreign aid, inverted commas, that we take from these countries, there's no aid done to ensure that we are still under their thumbs, that we still owe them large debts to still be able to control us. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Oh, wait, can you ask your question? Sorry, I don't want it to change. I was just going to say, like, I'm not saying that these African countries, you know, shouldn't take any responsibility. But at the same time, don't you feel like the reliance on foreign aid is because of the way um, they were indoctrinated to basically make it seem like you need to be dependent on these people? So it kind of all links back to the West again anyway. But sorry, I feel like we're going off on the tangent. Jane, what's your next question? I'm just going to say, yeah, to add to that, I think it is all well and good getting the right people in the right place. And I know... Saying this is not going to change the fact that the time has gone, but I really think that this is something that should have happened at the time and should have been decided at the time, because even as black people that live in the UK now, I don't think we can truly like fathom what it was like to be a slave. Do you know what I mean? So even if we come up with something, I just don't think it will truly be reflective of what these people went through. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. it can't be quantified really. No, that's, that's the thing. The reparations, as well, for me, it's not a solution, it's just compensation. Yeah. Like, it's I not going to actually solve the problem that those that slaves we saw, went through. I saw some acts of it on Instagram, like shortly after like, the whole George Floyd thing. Um, obviously, like it wasn't anything official set up, but there were people that were links in their bios who were actually getting payment. Black people, yeah. So it was around the time when um, white people were washing black people's feet. Like, there was actually <laughs> black people. Like, there was white people. I saw white people asking, like, can they pay? 
like mm, yeah. yeah so it's obviously happened on like i think it's happened on more independent personal like level like, mm. but then should that be the case because these white people that were paying are they mm. descendants of slaves i mean a slave owners are they like are they the people that should be paying yeah i actually have no idea sort of um if they were, but I'm, I think there must be some element of guilt for the, I'm suspicious of the white people that did make these payments. There must be some form of guilt embedded there because mm. you money to someone's cash app, unless you were really moved and you just really feel moved about it. And you know, black people deserve better. You just wanted to actually just start sending money to like um, different black people that you've never met, but That's yeah, it's so odd about I just think, no, I know a lot of, I don't know, I've got a few white friends and I know that you know, they there's there's been some sort of awakening that's happened in the last couple of months that, you know kind of like you're privileged and been so blissfully unaware but um yeah there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of like looking in on oneself that's happening at the moment and which is why i think we need to take advantage of that as well yeah because before this the moment shades. yeah this conversation about reparations has always been there but it's always been swept away there's always been you know one thing or another one reason why we shouldn't do it oh. and i was reading an article by Ashley Hirsch the other day and she was also saying how it can't be brushed to the side any longer. Like this I'd is the conversation. Like, sorry to cut you off. I'd be interested to know how they actually got around. Like, with the country is obviously trying to sort out reparations. Like, how do you get around to actually sorting it out? It's very. I think it's like anything in life. With the world as a way, but if yeah. if people want to do it, it will get done. And also, when we say in terms of quantifying, we need the right people. What does the mm. right mean as well? Because we have to be conscious of the fact that somebody black is there and wouldn't necessarily be a middle-aged white person like the example given that doesn't mean they're the right person i think we've got black we've got black politicians that were coming out when dawn butler spoke about the stop and search and the institutional racism and the police force that were you know happily going around saying there's no institutional racism so having someone back on the decision making around reparations doesn't necessarily mean this would go right either well i'm not sure um, if it's about black which has someone that's qualified to maybe conduct that sort of research i just think what kind of qualification Maybe economics. Like I just think that you have to do cost benefit analysis. Obviously, like just to begin with, like to try and say what the outcome would have been without the slave trade versus what it would be, like what it is now with it. Obviously, we know that there's um like a lot of glass ceilings, a lot of restrictions for like minorities and stuff. So I think there's ways to quantify it, work it all out. Like when I was looking at all the stuff in America, and they're like, you know, this district and this district and. I don't know, there is a way to figure it out, like... Mm. Okay. I before we go on... Out, but if you trust it, well, yeah. it's like, it's, if it's empirical research, like, they will have to have, like, sources, and they'll have... I think there's a way for it to be done to actually be credible. Mm. I think there is. I think you need very... historians. Sorry, did I cut someone off? Oh, no, no. No, I was just saying, like, in terms... When I say the right people, I think I started with black, and then I was like, no, like, anyone, because... One, you need historians, you need economics, you need people that have studied like international relations, like you need people that are actually educated in this field to make mm. the right decision. But the reason why it's important to have other people other than um, just middle-aged white men is that perspective is important and mindset is important. And if they've lived their life in a certain way and don't carry same perspective and mindset to um, diversify the conversation, it would just go around in circles. Um, mm-hmm. which is why I always I, I've learned that representation isn't just because the person looks like me it goes much further than that which is why I'd rather mm-hmm. be the right person with the mindset that is actually developing the black community or whatever community we're talking about rather than the person looks like me because 
Mm. I don't want just anybody that looks like me but think like them. The next question is, do you think receiving reparations would actually impact the um, Black community in a positive way? And how do you think you can tackle the issues that we're facing as a Black community? I feel like this is quite a hard question because I think, again, although we talk about the Black community, yeah, Black people and the Black community are very diverse. So it comes down to, like, what the overall aim is. Because me personally, I honestly believe that a lot of the reasons these things have happened is because certain people see the potential in Black people and they don't want that potential to be lived, to be honest. And I honestly, I don't want to be the voice of cynicism here, but I don't think that these kind of things are actually going to happen purely because of the fact that the people that are in power now do not want other people to be equal to them. It's intentional. They don't want Black people to be equal. They don't want um, ethnic minorities to be equal with them. And they want to just get, you know, the odd few here and there to show, yeah, that we're diverse. But really and truly, the people that are in power don't want people that are below them to also be in power or to be at a similar level to them. I don't know. I don't think I'm even really answering the question here. Yeah, but that's no, I agree with that. No, I agree with that. I completely agree, to be honest. And that's the thing. I think that's why it's so hard. And I like again, it's, it seems really negative, but this personally is why I think that we always have conversations about certain things, but they never actually get implemented. Because how long do you think they were conversing about whether or not slave owners should get re- reparations? I don't think it went on for years, decades, and like it didn't go on this long. Like they got their reparations. If these things were actually going to happen, then they would have happened by now. Because slavery was quite a while ago in the sense that reparations should have already happened. It shouldn't even be something that we're discussing right now. It really shouldn't. Mm. I completely agree. And I think, in terms of whether it can help the black community, it's not just about money because you see black people across different countries having wealth it definitely does help but it doesn't eradicate people's prejudices it doesn't eradicate people's who are the black person and we see that wealthy people famous black people they still go through similar issues as well they can still be stopped Mm -hmm. driving they can still just you know randomly get someone had an abuse footballers get bananas thrown at them monkey chants so having these reparations, it's not even going to necessarily no, help not, us. Like to... Money's not going to fix discrimination. No. Mm-hmm. Help us as a black community. That's also an argument against reparations that what's it really do? Like the money, it can't fix the wrongs. And the thing is, when people say, well, money can't buy you happiness, it definitely can't, and I agree. But money is a start. Money is a start to have stability, mm-hmm. to have a leg up, to have access to maybe a particular school that you want your children to go to to live mm-hmm. in a certain area that's not as um, crime affected. And th- these things all trickle down and have an effect. Mm, it's true. But I think, do you know what as well? Aside from the money, let's talk about um, the actual mindset that has been ingrained in black people, ingrained in like white people. And like, it's basically what you guys are saying, you know, money can't fix discrimination, but also money can't change mindsets. Like certain mindsets were instilled in, slaves and enslaved owners and when you have a mindset you teach that to your children they teach that to their children so even if we get this money now do we have that mindset to be able to um to you know grow the community and to be able to 
do the things that we need to do. And I don't know if you guys have read the Willie Lynch theory. I've not read the whole thing, yeah, but basically oh, he talks about, you know, there's certain things in there and he's talking about how, oh, you know, if you divide them up, this is something that can control them for hundreds of years. If you split them by um, colour and make this colour, like, seem better or whatever. And these, these are the things, like, this is colourism. It's still happening now. So, actually, yeah, it's great to get the reparations, but is the mindset there to be able to actually do what we supposedly want to do as a community? Mm. Um, I think individually it will help, like Lola kind of mm. explained. Um, mm-hmm. as a community as a whole, that will probably be much later in the future when individuals have had change in their lives. Like you said, um, if one individual got the money, they moved to a better area, hopefully they, their thinking and environment changes, they trickle that down to their children. That, But that will be a generational thing where it eventually helps the Black community as a whole. But mm. on the short term, it will help individuals. And I haven't read that guy that you just quoted, but I feel like his theory is nothing different from... I don't, you guys know the African proverbs where it's like... It, they give you like five sticks and you, you put it together, but you can't break it. And the only time mm. you break the five sticks is when you um, separate them into one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what he's taking and just kind of like English, Englishified it. <laughs> wow, that's not a word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah and, and people say that that letter's a hoax people say that that yeah. really is not real but whether it's a hoax or not the mindset behind behind it I definitely think that was something that was being preached and was being taught among mm-hmm. people that were ready to colonize Africa do this mm-hmm. to weaken them also um touches on family um values it talks about making sure that the man feels um emasculated the woman mm-hmm. feels after the children the children feel angry at their mother and their father for not protecting them then that will lead them um, down into the further generation. So whether it's a hoax or not, it's all come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And this, I agree. I think, like you said, whether it is a hoax or not, the principles are still there. And I think even if it's not necessarily real, like you said, this is probably the mindset that they actually had because it's not just going to come out of nowhere. It, like I don't know, like whether it's true or not, I genuinely believe that this is how they thought because this is exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. These were the tactics they used to divide. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Jane is right. In terms, of, in terms of it helping the community, I think that will take some time. I think it's something that we probably might not see in our lifetime, unfortunately. But our children, our grandchildren, the reparations, if we got them today, it will probably help them more. And they would feel the positive impact of it. Um, so another question is, do you think people would actually be able to manage their reparations properly? Because I don't want to make sweeping statements, but we have to face reality that I don't think money management is something that's spoken about particularly openly in the Black community. And I don't think it's one of our strengths, if I'm completely honest, as a community. Um, we have a lot of spending power. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at and statistics, we typically spend the most on beauty, on clothing. But then when I look at other things like property, we're not the ones spending the most on those sort of more valuable things. Mm-hmm. So power and a lot of our marketing and advertising recognises that and they take mm-hmm. advantage of that. For me, I don't think that we're the community that's focused on necessarily building up. So if we were to get these operations, is this all just going to go to waste? Is it going to go on things that are material? Yeah, like I feel like um, legacy is like something that, not just white, maybe Asian, like other sort of um, 
minority groups. Yeah, minority groups. Oh, no, not, not, not minority, not minority yeah, other races. Races, yeah, yeah, other races, especially with white people. And legacy is something that's really important. So that's leaving more for like the next generation than you have. And I've like um, met a lot of people, a lot of white people who that seems to be like their family values and all that sort of stuff. And I just don't think it's, that's as common in the black community. Mm. I really, I think obviously um, depending on where everyone's from and the culture, but like Nigerian culture is about when you start earning money, like um, everybody wants some. Start giving. And it's, you know, it's a bit like I'm, I've just finished uni and I'm on minimum wage. Like, <laughs> you know? Strange. It's like different mindsets um, and different cultures, but obviously we are a generation of Nigerians been brought, um, been born in the UK and mm. the whole legacy. I'm not bitter about it, but it's something that I would like to pass on. It's something nice to leave behind. Like you want to sort of like have comfort free out your future generations and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it is actually something that should be valued more in the black community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said I definitely agree. I think sorry, Paul. I think I caught you up there. No, mm-hmm. but in terms of like the way we think, I I think I've said this so many times. We work backwards mm-hmm. rather than forward, and we work. let me speak for myself but I remember when I first earned it was like the moment you start earning you don't earn for yourself you earn for the family and I I understand the the ethos behind it that you know we a community takes a village to raise a child and I get all of that and I'm not saying that I never want to contribute towards my extended family or immediate family but the moment you want to kind of just be like hey I want to do this for myself you are portrayed as being selfish because you don't want to you know share and because of that there's a lot of working backwards and I'm literally I'm 25 I'm still going to school yes I'm in a good paying job for my age um but there's an expectation that I'm having to be like don't put that expectation on me because I will not do it um Mm -hmm. and having to be really strict and be like this is what I'm going to do with my money whether or not you like it and to Mm -hmm. be fair it's taking some time, but people have come around, but it's taking me to be really, like, firm. People, like, yeah. yeah, like, don't. Yeah. I have people that will have kids and think that I'm going to start contributing. Like, no, I don't have a kid of my own. And it's not because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, but let me get to a position where doing something like this will not cause resentment. Mm. yeah mm. that's so important like all these rappers and stuff that a certain level of success and start buying cars and houses family members it's great but i don't think that when they were maybe like you know sending their like soundcloud thing with a cake, family yeah. members were, like asking for all this sort of stuff and it's just an expectation i think that it's hard to explain to nigerian parents to just sort of say like you know like can we have some money and you're like no um but that's not deep down i just think that when I'm in a position where I can help my family, I will have no problem with it. But when I feel like I'm trying to get my leg and there's yeah. an expectation, I just think that's sort of how, I think that's another thing that contributes to sort of everyone staying at the same level. Like, just mm. like, you know, maybe like stopping someone from propelling and being great before it happens. Mm. So true. You do have to, I'm not saying I agree with this mentality at all, because I don't. I do think that there's there's a limit. There's, you should definitely help when you're comfortable and it won't cause any, you know, trouble to you. Like, you're not going to be basically putting yourself out of service by helping. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, let's say, for example, let's say the scenario, like someone that's got a part-time job, you know, they get enough money to be able to pay their rent and they've got, like, let's say, 100, 200 pounds every month. And they decide to maybe cut down on important necessities like food or, like, and then they go on a holiday. 
So is that then, and maybe they've done that for their mental health people just needed a break. So it's like, you can't really determine what's selfish and mm. what someone, what someone like to get through, you know, a full year. Yeah, um, I'm not yeah. saying you only um, pay for things that you need a lot on holidays. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I definitely don't think you but should what, do it if you don't want to. It should never be guilt money. If you, you want to give to family members, it should be because you want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also have to recognise that, unfortunately, we are not in a position that a lot of other you know, people are that aren't minority ethnic. A lot of white people um, have parents in this country that have been here for a longer time. They've also come from families where they had that their parents had their legacy from their grandparents here in this country. Our parents are old enough. And I think that trickles down to them having a bit more of a different expectation to us. Mm-hmm. Typically white parent, not all white people, there's definitely white people as well that are struggling, but typically a white parent is doing financially okay. They're not asking for Yeah, money. I think it's just difficult. Obviously it's like um you know African parents who raise children in different countries in the United Kingdom, America, wherever. I think there just has to be a certain level of acceptance where it's like, this is what, for me, what's normal is to see my friend's parents or whatever, giving them inheritance and like all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not bitter or resentful for that. But then when it comes to asking me the money thing, I get really annoyed about that. And I think, um, I think it is something that, mm-hmm. like when you have when you've sort of raised children in different environment, different like sort of culture, like you can't be surprised when we want or we expect to certain things because of what we see around us and what's been our normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed though, it's not so much like your immediate parent, your immediate family asking like your mother and father asking you for money. It's more so like saying the Ghanaian community. So my parents came, they send money back home to like send family members. Yeah. And then once um, the child now start earning it's almost now expected from the child also what like then, monthly or so no it's not even monthly but like if something happened my yeah. parents will send money and yeah. say like my my parents this yeah. is there in the future my parents are no longer um there <laughs> then that would expect yeah. you to carry on that tradition <gasps> like, hey, do you know what oh. I mean? it's, and it's like oh, there, no, there's some families that actually have that expectation and it's like hold on a second and i know this is not just in like Ghanaian um certain Ghanaian court not every because i hate painting like everyone with the same brushes but they're saying Ghanaian families that that this happens i've also had certain conversation with my Zimbabwean friends where it's like because their mom and dad were doing it, people now expect them to start doing it. Yeah. That's kind of like, oh, There was um, one situation, actually, when my grandma, she, um, I won't name any names, but she, someone was getting married and mm-hmm. um, she wanted to contribute. And it was just the fact as well, it's like, if I walked past, you know, the celebrants in the street, I probably wouldn't have recognised them. I just felt mm-hmm. the money someone's wedding that I, they're very, very distant extended family or yeah. friends. That, when I she said this person's names to me, I think she was shocked we didn't know them, but I genuinely don't know who this person is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think this is the thing, though, because I like, I get the whole cultural thing. I Honestly, I don't feel like my parents are standard Nigerian parents because I, I've never had to send money back to anyone or anything like that, and I'm quite glad because me personally, I wouldn't. Because like you said, if you don't know the person, you don't know the person. But I think sometimes it does come down to like keeping up with appearances again, because mm. why should you guys have to give to a family member that you, if you would walk past the street, you wouldn't even know them? Like surely, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just to say like, oh yeah, like we gave, we did this, we did that. But it's like, well, what's the mm. point? Because if you don't know the person, that mm. doesn't make sense. Like, and this is one thing that, um, 
I actually kind of write about white people, yeah? One thing I've realised, you know, like, when they get married and stuff, even if it's, like, their aunt or their cousin or whatever, if they've not spoken in a while, they don't invite them to the wedding. <laughs> yeah. Well, our culture is very different to that. Yes, and very. I recognise that there are, there are differences in our culture because there are certain things in our culture that I much prefer to yes. what mm-hmm. I see in other cultures. So mm-hmm. it's good and bad, and I, I understand that, if this is just their mindset this is what they've been raised to believe this is what that they, they've this seen the this is the norm for them and they're struggling to you know adapt to the it's fact that the it's us. not the norm for us because for them it's not that i'm not wanting to embrace my culture but i can identify a certain part of it that i don't believe in so mm-hmm. for instance, be something i'll be doing with my children i don't want them to ever yeah. feel that they need to contribute towards mm-hmm. something, something they don't know mm-hmm. like if someone calls me and it's an emergency and i'm like oh, oh, oh yes yeah. But, but why do I need to pay for somebody's like, wedding? Your wedding? I thought you were going to pay for your wedding. Yeah, like, what's that? Oh, you know what? I will pay for it if it's when it's my wedding. You think, like, you do something <laughs> back for me. I don't know, you know what. Let me, like, I don't even mind, um, like Lola said, if it's an emergency, I think that's completely different. I just, mm-hmm. it's the expectation and the entitlement that it sometimes mm-hmm. comes with that mm-hmm. for me kind of irks me. But half mm-hmm. of my family is always the number one and I will always contribute as mm-hmm. and when I can. But that mm-hmm. sort of entitlement that you must by fire, by force, like how dare you say no? Is not so this is a problem because I think honestly, it, it does come down to like the financial literacy within like the family, within the community or whatever, because like again with me if it's like my immediate family I'm more than happy to help like part of the reason I want to be successful is so like my mum doesn't have to work or she doesn't have to do anything like that's I want to do that do you know what I mean but if some random auntie who's like oh do you remember me like wants money I'm not giving you anything like I don't know you and also I think the reason I said it comes down to financial literacy is because one thing I've realized yeah is that certain groups of people actually save for big things in their life like even you know if they're single some people save for their wedding like they've been saving for their wedding for years so Mm -hmm. it's not a thing that when you're now getting married you're trying to get money from anyone and everyone because you've got that saving there and that's actually one thing I've realized it seems um really crazy but well it seems crazy to me but (laughs) I think these are the kind of things that we don't really know much about that we should actually talk more about is saving for the future which is why I know that we've kind of gone off topic and we're pretty much talking about the black tax now but when it comes to reparations and this is why I was thinking we get these reparations his money management isn't something that's spoken about so openly and I think part of the reason it's not is because when people have that desire to build up they feel guilty about it. So if they are going to do it, they're just doing it without discussing it with people around them mm. because it's something yeah. selfish. Like, so the fact that we don't have this openness and it's not just a you know standard thing to go and talk to a financial advisor and I have was- these conversations within family. If we were to get these reparations, my fear is we get it and then it's just like, boom, it's gone. Yeah. And then, then at the same time, I don't want to like be all... Um, like Debbie Downer because I actually do think that in our generation things have started to change because I do think there are more people who are waking up to oh actually no I need to start making investments I need to start planning for my future like there are black people that are out there doing that and I think it's just more about um making that knowledge more widespread and making Mm -hmm. sure that as a whole a lot more people are doing it as opposed to just spending on these frivolous things and i was actually going to mention i don't know if you guys saw this video it's basically something like 
how to sell to the Negro, something like that. It was oh like, oh my god, I've seen that, and it's basically yeah. talking about playing on the mindset of the Negro's inferiority yeah. complex, yeah, because yeah. they were told for so long that you were inferior to white people. It was based in America, wasn't it? How to sell to the Negro, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. it was a black and white um video, and it was talking about make sure you play on that inferiority complex. I think the mm-hmm. reason a lot of black people, and it's still playing out today, the reason we're buying these material things and why we spend the most money on beauty and hair and makeup products and trainers and just this obsession with material possessions and there's nothing wrong with wanting to look nice but for me it's not just about wanting to look nice I think it's wanting to prove that you're not poor wanting to prove that you're mm-hmm. not in- wanting to prove that you're just as good as the next person these are all trickling down effects that come from previous generations of slavery come from segregation and it's, it's just a shame because yeah value mm-hmm. things that aren't valuable with the black community is, is embarrassing no I think but I, I just want to second what Paula was saying about the fact that there is a change in mindset in our like um generation like we as even though you guys are my friends we talk about money um more and more people are realizing that it's more important to invest in a property than it is to buy a job that's going to depreciate um and, and I'm just going to like use YouTube as an example of someone who watches YouTube but for who has been watching YouTube for a long time for the longest time when black YouTubers started making money like the things you start them you see them doing is still like buying like those designer bags designer shoes designer 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 but now I'm seeing like a shift in like when they start making money is I'm investing in like okay, maybe my family or I'm, I'm investing in property or I'm doing this like actual mm-hmm. in terms of our generation really doing something with our money so I think there is a shift mm-hmm. and change yeah, I think yeah. our generation is definitely more money smart mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So do you think um, if we were to get reparations, we'd be able to manage it better? But would it go to our generation or our parents' generation? That's, if That's it went to, yeah. If it went to us, well, I think, yes. If our parents' generation... I mean, if it obviously went to generations, but then it was sort of heavily, maybe advised and suggested that everyone gets an independent financial advisor or mm-hmm. something of IFA, like, um, guide about how to, go, not only just look after the money and save it, but how to grow it. Like, yeah. you can have mm-hmm. as little as £2,000 and grow it in a year, like, if you put it in the right stocks and stuff. So I think if people do want to, like, um, if we do, if we did get reparations, and I think it would have to sort of be coupled with a lot of encouragement to sort of have that wealth management or financial advice. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as much as our generation is also doing well, like, I don't want to sound like someone who's not recognising that. I think we do have a way to go as well. Because I think this whole flexing for the gram mentality is something that our generation is a bit too fixated on. Mm-hmm. And I prove a point, I've got this, I've got that. We just need to tackle those issues because I can see reparations just getting blown on very unnecessary things. Like you're comparing yourself to people on their 24-7. And also it's there's there's never gonna everyone's always trying to do the most. Like no, there's always gonna be the next thing, like. Even the people at the top, there's going to be the next thing that they need to feel like they need to do. Like, it's, it's an, I was saying this to my sister yesterday. It's like Instagram's pressure is actually really crazy. It's Instagram's turning 10 years old this year. So, um, Instagram, the long term effect that will take place are unknown to us all yet. We are, we are living it still. So, in 2030, 2040, I think it will be a lot more clear what the boom of Instagram has done. Mm. But for now, it's just actually scary. So true but I also think like people as a community we just need to be more open because you yeah. know all the 
people that we do see on Instagram. I, I think there's been a slight shift because I do see people saying like, oh, you know, Instagram versus reality and this and that or whatever. But I think as people, we just need to be more open in discussing our finances. But yeah, basically, I think that as um, black people, we just need to be more open in discussing our finances because I think also something that is kind of ingrained in us is like this stigma not to talk about money, not to talk about oh, like, you know, you're trying to pay this off or trying to pay yeah. that off. But I think if we are more open about these things, actually, you'll realise that a lot of people are dealing with the same things and we can actually learn from each other's experiences. Yeah. I think it is a shame that people feel like they can't speak about that because if someone was on, I don't know, online, on YouTube, saying, oh, I bought this Dior bag and actually two months to pay it off on my credit card and mm. um, three photos now and I actually don't want it on my feed anymore, so I don't think it was the right purchase. Like, it's so true and I also think like as much as that kind of transparency goes a long way I think also the other way around like if you are a YouTuber or whatever and you're like oh actually I saved for like three months to be able to get this bag I didn't just buy it like that do you know what I mean and oh it was actually factored into my budget it's not like I just used my whole paycheck to get it and because this is the thing I don't think there's anything wrong with material things but one thing that I'm realizing as you get older especially as somebody that does love to splurge it's important that you have a budget for that splurging like you can't just use money that you don't have to pay for these things because it does come back um, this is what sorry. one thing that I've said to myself because I mean I'm not sure if you guys know but I studied economics with my first degree and I'm going into fashion business and so mm-hmm. I'm my master's in fashion and I just love clothes obviously you can get quite really carried away with like commercial things like that spend all your money but one thing I generally like to live by is that don't purchase something unless I can purchase it twice over so mm-hmm. whether it's a pound purchase or a I don't know, I, I don't want to usually buy it unless I know that I could buy it twice that makes me feel better when I make purchases, like I'm not living, um, I'm living within my means. I'm not living out of it, and yeah, that's just especially with like more expensive purchases. Like you know, I know that some people might want to save two thousand pounds to spend it on the bag, but I would say spend two thousand pounds on a bag when you two thousand or. It's so true. It's really true. Yeah, and tying that back to reparations, this is just what I don't want to happen because we've got so much spending power we spend the most on so many different things and I can send you guys a link to the statistics that I've looked at and when I saw them I wasn't shocked because to be fair I did think we probably do spend the most on trainers and health and beauty Mm -hmm. products but for me I just feel like it would be a a slap in the face for us to get these reparations which have been talked about for so long and there's been so much resistance but then basically pour it back into the very systems that aren't for us so just give it back to all these um people selling clothes hair and beauty and i just i would think that was the waste like what would even be the point so true and it's so hard but i think again this is why it would be good um if like you know let's say reparations were to be paid out that uh it came with a financial advisor or maybe it's like oh you can put your reparations well the thing is I don't even want to say oh that the government can set up something to say you can put your reparations towards purchasing a house or doing this or doing that because I still feel Mm. like they have that element of control but then I just Mm. again but that's not a bad idea rather than having yeah I would would actually sign up to something like that yeah, definitely. Rather than how to buy, which you have to pay back in five years, double what you probably like borrowed. If you give me reparations and it was towards the house, yes. Mm. 
But then what I would think that would be Paula. Huh? What what would your reluctance to that be? My, well, my reluctance to that is more the fact that it still seems like they're controlling things. I think that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's great, you know, oh yeah, to advise people to purchase a house. But at the end of the day, I know that buying property is great, but not everybody wants to buy a house. So it's like, oh, so now the only way you're going to get your reparations is if you buy a house. But what if they actually can't afford to maintain that or if they're not in a place to do that? Or do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot of different things that come into it. And buying property is great, but it's not the only um, great way to handle money. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it should be an option, but not compulsory. Mm-mm. see I think these kind of things would be good but again I just don't think the government would set that up because what they want is they don't want these communities to thrive so what they'll yeah. do is just give the bare minimum and they won't give any advice or direction because they want it to just not work they want it, uh, exactly people who win the lottery um, whether it's you know hundreds of millions or tens of millions but it's 70% of people who win big spend it all in the Three years, something. Three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. I'm actually, like, my people told me this yesterday, and then I researched it, and I was shocked. But there was I'm so not sure much about evidence. It. Like, there's there case studies. This person won in 2003, this person won in 2011, this person won. They all come back to say it's all gone. And some end up homeless. And worse off. Yeah. And the thing is, my theory is because so many black people are doing well in this country, they are. But then also, when we impoverished areas the places where housing isn't as good the places um where people are doing more insecure work it does fall a lot on the same i hate that term but black and other minority ethnic groups mm-hmm. so used to a certain lifestyle that you've struggled with let's say the situation is then the largest amount of money you've seen before you're more likely to just love it you know it's the um same areas or like they say that people that win the lottery you buy a lottery ticket because you're poor and then you're the people you know your friends and family they're asking for some of the money mm, but then this is the thing because again it comes down to like okay cool you're asking for the money but what is it for like i, I know that this is maybe a different kind of mindset but I'm not just going to give you the money to go and splash the cash. Like, what do you want it for? Because at the end of the day, this is the money that I won. Like, that's the way I think about it. And obviously, I, to be fair, I've already thought about what I'd do if I win the lottery. I would actually, like, give certain, like, amount of money to certain people in my immediate family. Yeah. Um, and then that's their thing. But then if you're coming to me for more money after that, well, what's happened to the money that I gave you? And also, mm. actually, the funny thing is, I'm reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad at the moment, and there's certain things in that book that I oh, think are a bit, a bit off. Huh? Oh, so I was just saying that's on my to-read list. Oh, yeah, no, I'm reading at the moment. but it, And it's, it's, it's decent. I think certain things in it, I'm just a bit like, mm. but then there are other bits in it which are quite true. Like, And they spoke about, basically, the issue that a lot of people face when it comes to money is that not a lot of people have financial literacy. So even if they win the lottery, the mo- majority of people will end up losing that money because they're not financially literate. Like, they don't know what to do with that money. They're just going to spend it on liabilities as opposed to assets. And the thing with assets is that assets are going to constantly be bringing that money back to you. But if you're spending it on liabilities, of course you're going to eventually lose it because there's nothing bringing that money back. And that's my fear with reparations, that it would literally just be going on liabilities. Because when you're not accustomed to a certain lifestyle and you just kind of get this lump sum, mm. it's hard. 
It's so true. They comes down to this financial literacy. And this is why I think it's so important that, like, you know, things like black girl finance is so good because it really is educating people on money. And that other, what is it? Um, is it money medics or something like that? You know? Yeah. So that kind of thing is really, really important for um our community because the thing is a lot of us don't necessarily learn about financial literacy and money management within the family. Whereas a lot of people who are not um black they do because it's something that they're taught as well like you know certain um <clears throat> certain races they just have like their family business so people grow up in that family business they can see how the business is running they can see oh this is the best way to handle the finances here and they learn in that way but not all black people have that because of the fact that I also think it's because of the fact that a lot of black people in the UK are first generation. So the aim mm. for our parents was just to come over and thrive. And in all fairness to them, I do think that um, them doing that, they have kind of given us a foundation to work from. So now it's our turn to level that up. And we kind of just need to keep teaching that to our children. That's my opinion. But yeah. Well, I suppose we kind of answered the next question, which was, do you think reparations would help us build generational wealth? Because we've had our about this our workshop mm. and well it should be one of the main targets of the black community and I think reparations could do that um, depending on how individuals choose to spend this money but again there's no guarantee to know because some individuals could do really well with it and flourish and create a legacy for the next generation but there are some people I think would struggle with getting this rep these reparations and actually using it to build generational wealth it's true it's hard it's hard to say because I just don't think there are any real like there aren't well, you can never know there aren't facts and figures to say that you know 50% of black people splurge their cash and don't save or anything like that so I think it's, it's really hard to say what would happen I do think getting reparations could help build generational wealth because it would you know help give more black people a step up and access to certain things that they may not have had access to before but at the same time I just feel like there are pros and cons to any situation and uh, it's hard to say I do think it can but whether it will is another question mm. Mm. I don't think it can make us any worse off hopefully yeah no that's true that is true yeah. you personally received reparations how do you think it would benefit you and ultimately your family being smart about it I'd save it for like you know my children the next generation and maybe put it towards school fees I think that's where it all starts mm. like obviously um we see what happened at A levels the other week um mm. with like great people being graded up and down based on their region um and their like socio-demographic so I think it all starts in that sort of area because it's like the the, the private schools and the elite the nepotism continues to circulate if they're all in the same rat race like you know uh, families going to schools for generations like the same schools for generations and you know the university is sort of favouring certain schools that they like mm. hear that you're coming from so mm. it's not education I think and I think that's where I'd probably invest it into giving education the way I would spend the money I think <clears throat> I'm thinking a lot more about investing so investing in things that are going to be assets so I I'd probably split it up into different pots. Like some of the money I might put into pots for my kids. But I, I think, honestly, I don't know if I'm going to start saving for my kids until they're actually 
born so when they're born I'll start like I'll open bonds and stuff like that for them um and then yeah I think I'll make investments into my business maybe property it all depends on how much the reparations are as well um mm. I'd love to invest more in property and in like stocks and shares and things like that that are going to be assets in the long run so that even even um Oh, what I was gonna say, just basically so that they can just keep generating money for me all the time. That's what I would want to do. Yeah. Um, I think same. Um, I would invest in businesses, um, ones that I've already started creating. Look for. I've always um, one of my biggest dreams, which I hope to achieve in my lifetime, is to build a school. Mm. And it's funny that Lola was talking about how she hates private school, but I've always wanted to take a private school and turn it around. So mm. what I've always wanted to do was to build a private school that rich people can take their children to, obviously, and it would be expensive. But the idea behind it is to then have every... If you bring, say, Lola had a child, she brought her child to that school, she would not only be paying for her child's education, she'd be paying for one extra child education. Oh. That's why it would be so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, or however many kids that one person bring their child in will actually cater to um, as, rather than having an orphanage that's what I've always wanted to do so it'd be like an orphanage taking care of other kids and in a way of merging those kids together to having that same kind of like you know so that is something that I would like to actually do um, create in the way that everyone could have kids from less affluent places could also have level the same level of education and try and merge that bridge and um, that's something I would create um, and then yeah I'm, I'm not going to lie I'm going to go travelling I'm going to go travel the world <laughs> And yeah, that's that's what I would do. That's the that's the the the, the things that come to the top of my head. Just to say, I don't actually hate private schools, and I really go back and forth on it. Um, so yeah, my children might end up at a private school, but I think I would just want certain things to change. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll spend the money on good um schooling because even if they don't go to private school, they'd be going to a very good school. Um, mm-hmm. I'd before they're born. Um. Yeah, I just want to be able to support my family, really. Um, and also, I want to be able to open up my centre for women, um, particularly women that have gone through any abuse, um, mm-hmm. mental, sexual, um, also anybody that's gone through any slavery, trafficking. I've always wanted to have that women's centre, so I'll definitely build that. Um, yeah. And I want to have um, a family business as well, so something that can be handed down to the children and everybody who can work there, whenever they want so yeah I'd have the family business center, um, funding pots before they're born and yeah I think I'd be pretty happy with that oh and then um, contributing to as many charities as I can mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. giving back is so important so yeah they need to bring these reparations because I'm ready to hand out <laughs> I don't know if I, if I will get any reparations or if I will take them, but for those that deserve it, sure. This is the mm. thing, because I don't know, like with my parents. Well, to be fair, my surname is Macaulay, so somewhere down the line, something's not quite right. So I think maybe I'm entitled to it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening to this podcast about reparations. We hope you've enjoyed it. Next time, I've been Lola. I've been Paula. I've been Jane. I've been Rola. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an interesting discussion today.
Thanks for coming. Yeah. Really good.